Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about Jupiter uh, moving through the third decan of Aquarius and its morning star phase. Now, this is something that we did uh, recently with Saturn, where we examined kind of the, the synodic cycle of the superior planets, which were Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars, and kind of all the different phases that those planets go through. I think this is a really good way to approach the um, superior planets because they move so slow that there's going to be so many different aspects that they're going to be making with the faster moving planets. I think if we can just get a basic idea of what what these planets are going to be signifying over the bigger picture, um, because they do tend to speak to more collective events, I think that's going to be a good way of unpacking some of the meaning. I've been finding some really uh, cool synchronicities between events that have been happening at very important moments within these cycles and correlations with uh, world events, political events, um, things where we're sharing meaning with one another. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we're going to be looking at Aquarius 3 a little bit. Um, we're going to retrace some of the movement of Jupiter at the beginning of its cycle from its Kazemi moment, its conjunction with the sun, uh, I have some, some pretty poignant uh, events that I wanted to make you aware of. Uh, yeah, so I appreciate you being here with me today. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new to uh, Spencer Show Astrology here. I really appreciate all of you. Make sure you leave me a comment and uh, hit that like button if you are enjoying the, uh, the offerings that you are experiencing today. So let's dive into it. All right, I'm going to share my screen. And I'm going to very quickly show you kind of the, the, uh, the process here again, we like to do a little bit of teaching on this channel. And um, this is something that is really standing out to me as I'm getting further into it as very, very important. When we are talking about the heliacal setting, the Kazemi moment and the heliacal rising of these outer planets. Now, those are fancy words for the planet going uh, under the beams of the sun or becoming invisible and then reappearing. So this is um, where we see a condition called phasis, which was an, meant an omen that was speaking a little bit louder than some of the other things that we experience. And what I've done on the chart that you can see on the screen here to kind of get rid of some of the noise and the clutter is I've taken all the other planets off of the chart besides the sun and Jupiter. A synodic cycle is, you know, a fancy word for the relationship of a planet to the sun. Since we kind of measure our time, you know, based on kind of solar revolutions and things like that, uh, this is kind of a good way to, to see a planet's birth moment for significations when it comes into a conjunction with the sun, when it's being seeded with some kind of new impetus, some kind of new vitality, some kind of new purpose. And uh, we're going to see kind of, a, you know, beginnings and endings when, when a planet is coming into a conjunction with the sun. So what we're looking at here on January 9th is what is called the heliacal setting of Jupiter. So what that means is we are diagnosing a phase of the Jupiter cycle that is called the lying hidden phase. Okay, lying hidden. And the lying hidden phase is exactly what it sounds like. Jupiter is hidden beneath the beams of the sun. The sun shines really brightly and... Uh, there is a 15 degree of arc on either side. Now there is definitely some, you know, argument about how far it extends with traditional astrologers, but let's, they did standardize it. The some of the Hellenistic authors standardized it to 15 degrees, but on 15 degrees on either side of the sun, you know, any planet that is very close is going to be invisible when we are looking at it in the sky. So this is the lying hidden phase for these superior planets, right? Superior planets, again, were Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And they were, uh, they had a slower orbit 
than the sun. So they were in, in Chaldean order, they were above the sun in the celestial sphere model. Okay, we have planets that were below the sun in that model, Venus, Mercury, and the moon. Um, so it's, it's really just kind of an interesting way of dividing up these planets. There is a completely different solar or synodic cycle for the inferior planets um, that we will discuss at a, at a later video. But the other thing I wanted to, to talk about is that generally when we go over like each aspect of a planet, um, it's easier to do that with the inferior planets by Deccan because there's just less of them. They move very quickly through 10 degree sections of the zodiac and we're able to kind of get a vibe for a, a planet. If I was to try to do that with these decans with um, a superior planet, we'd have just like, you know, 30 aspects or something like that, that would be, you know, very difficult to make sense of. So I, I'm kind of breaking it down into these phasal relationships. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at kind of the, the basic vibe of Jupiter's relationship to the sun uh, Venus and Mercury, because they sort of travel together as a as a flock or as a crew. Um, and we'll see that there's going to be certain relationships that Jupiter has to those planets, whether it's by sextile or by square or by trine. And um, that's going to help us get a, a basic gist of what we're going to be experiencing. I will say that in my um, Deccan videos with the inferior planets, we will talk about Jupiter aspects that are happening more in uh, real time. Okay. So that's my disclaimer with this, but back to the lying hidden phase. When Jupiter goes under the beams of the sun, we call that the heliacal setting, heliacal setting. And what that means is that that's the last time that Jupiter is visible in the evening. If we had put the sun over on the Western horizon, whenever the sun would set, Jupiter would be over here, and this is the last moment that you could see Jupiter in the western sky before it disappears, okay? That's the heliacal setting going under the beams. Some medieval astrologers would compare it to a, a planet or a deity taking to its sickbed, all right? And it's going to get reborn in the heart of the sun at the Kazemi moment, the conjunction, and then it's going to rise from its sickbed and be able to like function more properly or more visibly, I guess, once it makes its heliacal rising. Okay, this is the heliacal rising moment when it gets outside of the beams of the sun and emerges as the morning star. So this phase when Jupiter is on the other side of the sun will be called the morning star phase. And that'll happen all the way until Jupiter goes retrograde. So today we're going to kind of talk about the time frame up until Jupiter's retrograde. Generally, the retrogrades of outer planets happen at the trine between the sun and the planet. So in this case, we're going to be seeing Jupiter uh, stationing retrograde very close to the summer solstice when the sun is moving into Cancer and when Jupiter is moving into Pisces. Okay, so there's this moment where we can kind of, we can sort of predict when a planet is going to be retrograde just by understanding the relationship between the two planets by, by elemental sign. All right, so here we've got all these fancy things here. And I did want to give you uh, just some, some things to think about with these lying hidden phases. I wanted to, before I dive into that, I just wanted to talk about Jupiter for a minute um, and some of its basic significations according to traditional astrologers. Um, Zeus or Jupiter was thought of as a demiurge. You know, a demiurge is like an architect that is bringing things into being. So we have these modern interpretations of expansion with Jupiter, which is not wrong, but it's more like arranging the pieces of something and creating from a blueprint or from these idealized forms to, to help manifest them and arrange them into some kind of coherent order. Jupiter was a planet of stabilization, confirmation, ordering, and bringing peace and stability to our universe. Um, there are stories of Zeus and, and 
Zeus's stand-ins, Marduk in this, I believe the Babylonian stories or Sumerian, I can't remember which one that is from, but uh, where Zeus was fighting a, a, a great dragon, uh, Typhon in the Greek tradition, um, and uh, some other stand-in in those other uh, mythological systems, and then defeating the, the chaos and the dragon, uh, and then creating a time of peace and stability. Same thing with, with kind of the story of succession, where Zeus was overthrowing the old order of, of Kronos, his father, and bringing a new era of like peace and stability in that regard as well, after maybe some of the corruption that, that Saturn had, you know, had maybe wrought through, you know, being afraid of being usurped by one of his children. Now, in one other interesting thing that uh, I've been finding, um, again, I've been reading Charles Obert's book, uh, The Classical Seven Planets. It's kind of a consolidation of all these source texts. So he's got some really cool thoughts in there. It's a really great book, really highly recommend it. He talks about Saturn as the, the lawgiver and the pattern giver. So Saturn provides the template, the boundaries, the elements, the ideal forms. So we talked about Saturn yesterday, uh, well, in a video that I did yesterday, uh, where Saturn was moving through Aquarius, and we're trying to figure out what new forms we're going to, to, to give, really, to Jupiter to, to be a creator with, right? Um, what are we going to eliminate, and what are we going to keep to move us forward? And both of these planets are in a, in a sign at the beginning of this cycle that is, is very visionary. It's very much about hovering over the, the um, you know, the, the cloud forms of your life from a great height and seeing how your actions are going to serve you throughout the future, throughout the long term. You know, Jupiter right now is moving through Saturn's domicile. It's being provided that long range, slow growth blueprint um, that maybe some, there may be some frustration because we want to get moving with building the new society and the new structures of our life. But I think really what we're doing in this beginning phase is we're actually just trying to understand what the actual elements or shapes are that we need to build society with. So that's that. I, that is something that I think was a really uh, interesting aha moment for me, thinking about the relationship between Saturn and Jupiter, and that's important because we we have um, Jupiter and Saturn coming together at very important moments in history for creating a new, um, you know, a new way of thinking about arranging society. So when Jupiter and Saturn come together, it's like the Demiurge, Jupiter, is getting a download from Saturn and saying, okay, what is the new blueprint that I get to create from, all right? And we just had one of these at the winter solstice in 2020, okay? And this was a very important one because it happened in a new element. It happened in, in air signs rather than earth signs. So the new download, the new blueprint is one of air. Uh, not one of Earth. So this is, you know, we're going to be speaking to decentralization of certain, you know, maybe consolidation of wealth, you know, you know, communicating through the airwaves like we are doing here today. Uh, you know, maybe redistributing something that had gotten too solidified. I think this really comes into play with the air signs as well as we, we consolidated wealth, we consolidated resources, we we built all these great structures during the Earth Age. Um, a, a, a small portion of the people were able to um, amass great hordes of wealth. And now we're heading into a dispersing phase where that, those great hordes of wealth are going to have to be redistributed to create equilibrium and rebalancing something. Uh, I, I can only imagine that we probably had with Jupiter and Saturn conjunctions in fire signs, these great, you know, impetuses to, you know, create new belief systems and things like that, or create new actions out in the world. We probably, it was probably a period of, of war and instability. And then the rebalancing of the earth age was creating material structure and stability, right? And now we've, we've done that and we've gotten to the, the peak of that to the point where we may be starting to see corruption with 
continuing on in that same fashion. So Saturn, that planet of nemesis that restores right proportion is saying, okay, here's a new blueprint to be able to continue the cycle in a way that is balanced. Uh, we can see that the Saturn exaltation happens in the sign of Libra. So Saturn's ultimate, like the, at, when Saturn is at the height of its powers, we are creating something that is fair and that is balanced and that is taking into consideration the needs of uh, multiple people rather than just one specific group. All right. You know, and this is something to think about too. Saturn, when Saturn is in a poor condition, like when it's in its fall in Aries, you know, we may only be considering one viewpoint. We may be only considering one very subjective perspective and it may be very imbalanced, right? When we have Saturn in uh, exile, Cancer and Leo, this may also speak to a subjective perspective where, you know, only the needs of the king in when Saturn is in Leo or only the needs of the, I don't know, the, dom the domestic sphere, only the needs of the, the nuclear family or whatever you want to call it, the, the, um, our kin are taken into account rather than the greater needs of humanity, which we could see with Saturn in its domicile of Capricorn building structures that are more universal or tearing them down. You know, that's part of Saturn as well, building and tearing down. And, you know, having these ideals that take all of these other things into consideration in Aquarius, right? So we, we have to see these two planets as almost like a team. They are on the, the diurnal sect. They are on, on the same team as the sun. So we, we can't really think of one without the other. I think that's really, really important. So let's get back to Jupiter for a second here because we, we have some really important events that came up during these very important moments. So hopefully I've, I've described the lying hidden phase. Um, if you have any questions, put them in the chat, the chat there. Uh, send me an email, spencermichelleastrology at gmail.com. Uh, I also do astrological tutoring, so uh, you can check out my website for, for that. I love doing that. I have some really, really cool students right now that, that I'm really enjoying working with. So that's an option as well if you wanted to learn more about this. But I'm going to clear the screen here for a minute because what we were experiencing on January 9th was the heliacal setting. I'm, I'm, I'm through my research, I'm finding that heliacal settings much like the planet ending its cycle, we are seeing the end of something in the world as well. Like the end of an old phase, you know, the beginning of the end. And on January 9th, uh, at four degrees of, of Aquarius, we are seeing in the collective, um, Donald Trump's uh, Twitter account got suspended, right? The parlor app was shut down by the app store, the Apple app store and, and all of the other areas that it had been distributed. So this type of organization of society like, like QAnon and things of that nature, uh, you know, Trump's social media bullhorn were, was coming to an end. His cycle of power as far as being able to disseminate his vision of how society should be ordered or structured was coming to an end. It was a moment of phosphorus in that regard. So I thought that was really fascinating. Um, and if we move forward, and I'm just going to show you kind of a few dates here before we dive into some other stuff here. If we move forward and we see the Kazemi moment, you can see that Jupiter and Saturn are getting closer together as I move forward. And um, we did have a square between Jupiter and, and Uranus around the 17th. So this, there was, uh, let's see, was there anything particular that was going on around then? Nothing in my notes here, but um, that was part of the lying hidden phase where something behind the scenes may have been happening. Um, but we did have the Kazemi moment, the conjunction between Sat, sorry, Jupiter and the sun at nine degrees of Aquarius, still in the first decan, around the 28th or in the 29th of January, okay? So that's when they are, be, where Jupiter is being reborn in the heart of the sun and infused 
with some kind of meaning for the new cycle to come. So what was going on on the 28th and 29th of January? Well, if you are keeping up with the news, there was this little thing called GameStop that was going on around that period of time uh, where a small band of, of Reddit Robin Hood <laughs> Robin Hoods um, were short squeezing a stock from called GameStop where they were basically like inflating the value of it and screwing over um, hedge fund managers that were uh, anticipating its value dropping, I guess. I don't know. I don't have a, a complete understanding of like how the stock market works and things like that. But, but the gist of it is, is that a small group of outsiders of exiles, okay, which is associated with the five of swords, okay, and, and Aquarius in general, the exile, stood to benefit greatly Jupiter and, and were honored for their kind of, you know, ability to kind of, you know, shirk the system in a very unorthodox way. They game the system, right, with GameStop. And uh, they became very wealthy, all right? Like Jupiter bestowed his gifts of honor, merit, and wealth and abundance on the exiles, the people who weren't the insider. The sun in, in Leo is kind of representative of the king, the selected, the ones who are like the, uh, the ultimate insider, the, the Aquarian Saturnian experience is the people that are on the fringes of society. So we, we had this Jupiter Kazemi moment where the outsiders were given the gifts. Um, and so I thought that was very curious and, and very um, fascinating uh, that that was our Kazemi moment. And that could actually speak to what we may be experiencing throughout this, this synodic cycle is a redistribution of wealth, power, and status to the fringe people on the fringes of society. So I really think that if we break down the core moment and a representative moment of that in the collective's zeitgeist narrative, that sticks out to me in a very important way. Another thing that sticks out to me, we did see like these, uh, oh, I don't know, what would you call it? Authoritarian, oligarchical uh, voices being silenced, right? that were trying to create chaos and hate were being silenced uh, around the holiacal setting. So we were letting go of that. Um, and we also saw around this period of time, around the same time of the Kazemi, Google uh, or Australia was saying, hey, Google, you need to pay us for the news that you put on your site, right? So again, another uh, redistribution of wealth from people who had been kind of taken advantage of by a larger corporate entity and not being compensated for the work that they were doing. So that was another thing that stuck out to me as far as, you know, finding meaning. So we may have a more, more fair distribution of wealth to people who are creating um, news and who are reporting on the news and things of that nature as well. All right. That was also around the time of a, there was a Leo full moon around this time as well. So I know that we're not seeing that on this chart here because we want to concentrate just on the synodic cycle of Jupiter for the first part, but, but that is something also to, to keep in mind. Now I wanted to show you the heliacal rising moment. So we see, we go a little bit forward in the cycle. Jupiter is now uh, rising before the sun. It's still hidden, but around February the 17th, it will have escaped the beams of the sun uh, by separating by 15 degrees. So here there is now a 15 degree arc of separation between Jupiter and the sun. And Jupiter is now visible in the morning before the sun rises. Okay, This is called the heliacal rising. And now Jupiter is in the morning star phase which Jupiter enjoys being in. Jupiter is of the diurnal sect. It, it, like it's, it's good. Its ability to do good is um, accentuated when it is a morning star because it is in the sect in power. It's like it is uh, like, like all the people that it represents have been elected to Congress and it doesn't have to make as many compromises with uh, a political team that isn't you know, in power, right? 
So it's kind of able to do more of its good, I guess. And it's the greater benefic, right? It's, 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 you know, it wants to do good. It wants to create, it wants to bring order, stability, things that human beings generally appreciate. Okay. Now at the helical rising, this is really interesting because now Jupiter has gone through that rebirth with the Kazemi and we may get an idea of an, another, uh, you know, point of awareness, a moment of phasis, an omen that is speaking uh, more loudly. Now, we did see Jupiter move into the second decan of Aquarius throughout this, you know, lying hidden phase. So we have the five of, of swords where, you know, there was a conflict and a defeat. We maybe had, maybe we had the conflict of uh, between the haves and the have nots with the, the stock type of thing and how we distribute wealth. And now we have this six of, of swords kind of experience where we are, you know, having a communication between worlds, between heaven and earth, Austin Kopic would, would call this Deccan, right? Science is what one of the, um, the other tarot books calls it, okay? And uh, fascinating because science had its moment around this heliacal rising. We literally went between worlds. It's, it's, astrology is so amazing. I'm never, I never cease to be amazed by it and have a sense of awe and wonder. Because on January, I'm sorry, on February the 17th, the Holiacal Rising of Jupiter, the Mars rover Perseverance landed on the red planet. So, <laughs> it's, I mean, you can't make this stuff up, right? Uh, and we discovered a new Earth-like planet. Um, so, yeah, just, just amazing. And we had all these pictures from Mars about all of the, the new information we were being given, all of the you know, we literally are having a communication from a, a new planet um, or from a planet and getting more information about it and what it's really all about and things of that nature. I wouldn't be surprised that by the end of this cycle, there may be, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is in the works or not. So I, I didn't do research on this, but maybe more manned flights to another planet like Mars, um, especially with the Jupiter moving into the third decan of Aquarius. Maybe they've already launched plans for that. I'm not aware of it. If so, leave me an, a comment if you are, have more information about that. But it could be just the, the, the precursor to exploring other worlds, you know, literally exploring other worlds. And we're trying to do that metaphorically here on this planet that we still are stewards of, that we need to take good care of. Um, and uh, yeah, there was some other themes that came up with this. So those, those three events during the lying hidden phase and the heliacal setting and rising really, really speak to the, the story. And we saw this uh, in the video that I did earlier this week on Saturn with the heliacal rising setting and Kazemi moment with Saturn with the, with the capital riots uh, at the heliacal setting, uh, the new, the inauguration and the new Congress taking power at the uh, Kazemi. And then at the heliacal rising, we had the impeachment trial of Donald Trump for Saturn. So like kind of this, like almost these punishments, these, these uh, creating new order and creating uh, a restoring of right proportion to the chaos that we were experiencing at the you know, end of a Saturn cycle, the dissolving of old boundaries and structures and organizing patterns. All right. So that is what we've got in the lying hidden face. All right, just to show you kind of what's going to happen here, and then we'll go back in time a little bit. As we move forward in the weeks ahead, we're going to see Jupiter continue to separate. All right, we're going to go through a, a phase of time where we have, and I'll, I'll, actually, I'll add the planets back in now for you to see, because I want to kind of show you what we're going to be experiencing along the, the journey. All right, so here is everything back in you know, what we're experiencing here. And we had this kind of, kind of this time frame, I would say between the end of February. And, and so right here, we have this stack up in Aquarius where everything is communicating, you know, from that Aquarian viewpoint, just this huge stellium. And we had a square to Mars. So there was some, some tension between all of this forward, you know, vision and, um, you know, this idealism and how we are going to implement it on a material level. Now, as we move forward in the weeks here, planet by planet, first the sun, 
then Venus, and then ultimately Mercury will leave Aquarius, you know, between the end of February and the middle of, of March and move into an aversion to Jupiter where it does not witness Jupiter. So we may have had this, all these initi initiatory moments in January and early February. And now we're in this kind of like limbo phase when we've got all these Piscean planets where we may be just kind of uh, going off in search of meaning and purpose and Jupiter is trying to provide that, but it's difficult in that, in this phase of the cycle. Now, as we get to um, mid March and we get to the, the uh, soul, I'm sorry, the equinox, the spring equinox, we see the planet starting to move into Aries. And as each planet moves into Aries in this phase between, oh, roughly the 21st of March and the 15th of April, we're starting to see sextiles between Jupiter and the planets in Aries between that trio, right? And that is very interesting because what that does is that, you know, we are allowing these inferior planets and the sun to witness Jupiter. So Jupiter is able to provide testimony to these planets. Now it's able to provide assistance and help. So I'm actually really curious as we sit on the almost the eve of the spring equinox, what bounty and benefit we are going to start to see as we move into the spring season. I think that it's going to be, we're going to see a lot more movement because we also have a trine with Jupiter and all the other Aquarian stuff here, Saturn, between Mars and those planets as well. So action. And, and Mars is going to be sextiling, you know, not only... Um, it's not only going to be making a trine with the Aquarian planets, it's going to be sextiling this triumphant of inferior planets as well. Okay. So that means that it's kind of all systems go for at least a few weeks. Uh, this period of time, you know, between late March and mid April. Now, we do have to kind of be aware that as we start to move through spring, this new start, this momentum that we're going to feel is going to run into some roadblocks eventually. And that is going to start to begin around the 15th of, of April when planets start to move into Taurus. And one by one, the Sun, Mercury, and Venus are all going to move into this stack up with Uranus in Taurus. And we are going to start experiencing squares between Jupiter and the Taurus planets and Saturn and the Taurus planets. So this is the kind of like the, the first quarter phase of our synodic cycle between Jupiter and Saturn, where we're really getting to the crisis point um, where we're trying to bring our new vision into manifestation. You can think about this as in terms of the lunar cycle, right? Where we had the new moon, the new seed that was planted and we are trying to bring this seed into fruition. Uh, and here in the first quarter phase, we, we hit like a, you know, a tension. And usually like Rudyard talks about first quarter phases as being the challenge of bringing something to manifestation and infusing it into material reality. So this may be the testing point of how we are going to infuse this vision these idealistic forms into a body around the time frame between, you know, April 15th all the way up to roughly, you know, mid, mid April. Okay. Or sorry, mid May. Mid May is that time of the squares. Okay. April 15th to about, you know, May 3rd is another peak moment. Um, okay. So, one of the things that I like to think about with Venus and Taurus, we've got Mars as a diurnal ruler of, of uh, Aries, where we are trying to separate from the past. We're trying to separate from the parent plant, trying to infuse something, a new start, a new individual point of consciousness. After we've established a separate identity, we want to infuse that identity into form and into a body. So we have a separation with Mars in Aries, and we have a unification, a, a re 
harmonization with that new consciousness into material form with Venus being in Taurus. So you could see how that, that transitionary phase works, right? So what I wanted to do is I want to take you a little bit further in the cycle here and uh, I'll show you a couple more moments. Thank you for sticking with me today. I really appreciate all of you as an audience. Um, we're going to see, here's the kind of the movement of the planets through Taurus. Uh, we are going to see them start to move into Gemini around May the 3rd, okay? Mercury moves first into a trine, okay? This would be the beginning of the release of that tension. Then Venus moves on May 9th, and then eventually the sun is going to move. But first, this is important. On May the 13th, Jupiter moves into Pisces, okay? So Jupiter moves into its own domicile, moves out of this conjunction with Saturn and into its own domicile very briefly, okay? It's only going to stay there a little while before it retrogrades and then moves back out of it a few months. We, we do have a retrograde that'll happen on uh, June the 20th, right around the summer solstice. And then we will have Jupiter stationing direct from Aquarius on the, the 18th of October. So we'll look at it, but there may be some relief from some of this tension, but we're going to move right into a new point of tension when the sun moves into, into uh, Gemini and makes the square. So we've got like a week of, of you know, relief. And then we've got this tension between Jupiter and Pisces and these Gemini planets. So we may really be trying to start creating. We've been given the blueprint. We want to create. We're like, okay, Jupiter is back in its, its home domicile. Let's think of all the crazy things we can, we can think of from our imagination, right? Let's, let's get to work like the Demiurge, like Neo in the Matrix, starting to manipulate reality. But with all this planets in, in Gemini, there's going to be so many directions that we could go with that creation that we're going to feel tension with all the different paths that we could choose. And that's probably what we're going to be feeling in the end of May, beginning of June, is just so many options. We want to, we, we're feeling creative, but we are, you know, feeling a little bit scattered in multiple directions. So what is going to have to happen is you're going to have to make choices. You're going to have to figure out what you want to build. You're going to have to figure out what kind of um, creation you want to manifest in your material form. And you're going to have to let go of some of the other options around this period of time. Okay. So as we move forward with this, we will start to see Jupiter is slowing down, okay? As we get to the end of May, it's going to be nearing its retrograde station. The, the planet is moving much, much slower as it, as it nears its retrograde station. So throughout June, Jupiter is going to be slowing way down. It is going to be making a nice trine to Venus around June 3rd. So that's something to keep your eyes out for. Um, the square, the exact square between the sun and Jupiter is on the 21st of May. So that is another date to kind of like, you know, don't try to do too much around that period of time. Um, but as we move forward through June, we are going to still have this trine between Venus and Mars and Jupiter, where we're going to be able to maybe take some action on our dreams. But we get to the 20th and we see Jupiter uh, turning retrograde. So Saturn's going to turn retrograde first, you know, much earlier in the month. Actually, that's funny. As we see the, uh, that May 21st, the Jupiter sun square, that's when Saturn turns retrograde almost the exact same day, right? Very close to that time frame, Saturn is turning retrograde as well. So some of our overwhelm may cause us to reevaluate the way we're structuring our life, the blueprint that we're really building off of, and um, you know what we're being asked to let go of to move forward. So then on the 20th of June, we see Jupiter station retrograde. Now, remember I said that the morning star phase ends at the retrograde, and usually it's when the sun and whatever planet we're looking at 
okay, whatever superior planet we're looking at are in a, roughly a trine relationship. And here we have the sun in Cancer trining Jupiter and Pisces. And this begins the acronical phase, which is, is the retrograde phase, okay, where the planet's moving pretty slow with a, there's a little bit of an exception in the middle here. And we will eventually see an opposition where Jupiter will disappear at the opposition, the curtailed passage phase, you know, that's going to happen in the summer. And eventually it will emerge, okay, from that retrograde phase and it will uh, station direct on the 18th of October. So these are also conditions of FASIS. We have the helical rising and setting where big events usually happen. And we also are going to have, you know, big important events happening at the retrograde station and at the direct station. So those are dates to keep in mind. Retrograde station, June 20th. Direct station, October 18th. Okay. Um, so that's pretty much what we've got. I, I will do another video for the acronical phase, the retrograde phase of Jupiter. Um, you know, when that happens around the, the solstice or so. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, you know, if you have any, like I said, if you have any questions, make sure that you uh, reach out. I actually, actually I have one more thing for you just to tie a bow on it. Like we do, like, like I like to do here. I did an I Ching reading for Jupiter's morning star phase. So I don't want to leave you without advice or kind of a understanding of maybe the the nature of what is required of us, just maybe some understanding. What we have here is an, a hexagram with unchanging lines. How interesting is that? So this is the hexagram number 39. And this is one that talks about obstacles. So here we have water. Okay, this trigram is water. And in the I Ching, this is sort of like the unknown Okay, on top of the mountain. Okay, so we have this, this water is on like a mountain, or it's meeting an obstacle, it's meeting this immovable object. So we have, think about you've got this stream, and I'll draw this here. You've got the flow of water going here, it looks like Aquarius. And here we've got this big like obstruction in the path of the stream. And this hexagram speaks to uh, obstacles, hardships. Uh, they one one interpretation calls it limping, due to a story of you the great, who was somebody who like created these great dams and these great irrigation channels to help bring prosperity to the land. But he eventually walked with a limp because of he he worked so hard to create a new, uh, I don't know, prosperity for his community. So when we talk about limping and obstacles here, we have some questions that we could ask ourselves. It says, where can you find help? How can you see the obstacles differently? Can you imagine giving in a different way? Okay. So this is from Hillary Barrett's uh, I Ching, watch, Walking Your Path. So we can think about life has sort of become a struggle, which is interesting because this is Jupiter we're talking about. But I do think that it makes sense because uh, Jupiter throughout most of this morning star phase is going to be co-present with Saturn, uh, is going to be in a sign with slow, laborious growth. This isn't the time where Jupiter is going to be exploding with growth. It's going to be taking the long-range view, trying to establish a sense of endurance, step-by-step um, -step daily practices to bring a, f a new future into existence, Okay. And eventually, we're, we're going to be leaving behind the known with this seven of swords as Jupiter moves through the third decan of Aquarius, right? We, we haven't even really talked about some of the condition with Jupiter in this decan, but when Jupiter moves through the third decan of Aquarius, the, the bound rulers are going to be Mars and Saturn, the malefic bound lords. Um, and we're going to be untying some of the old knots of karma. Austin Coppett calls this one the knot. The daimon associated with Aquarius three was Osiris, where where we were. The story of Osiris is he was basically cut up by his uh, jealous brother Set and scattered all throughout the countryside. He was married to this goddess named Isis, uh, 
funnily enough, I pulled Isis as my, my, you know, deity of the day. Uh, so this is cool that this is all matching up. But Isis collected, had, had her attendants collect all the pieces of Osiris and, and bring them back together, but only temporarily so that they could uh, copulate and, you know, and she could give birth to their son Horus, which is kind of the new, the new deity that had this ascended to power. And then Osiris, you know, returned to the land of the dead and became the lord of the underworld. So th that th that Deccan, that story tells me with this Deccan, we are collecting the pieces. We are looking to the past to figure out what we are needing to bring with us and what we need to discard. And that takes time. That takes reflection. That takes this pooling kind of energy, right? So one of the ways to that water will uh, stream or flow around an obstruction, it will pool behind it. It will gather strength. And eventually, after it has gained enough strength from this continuous flow, this continuous, you know, action, it will be able to spill around the obstruction and, and choose its path again and create its path again. You see how that works? No, this is just a little bit of a weird drawing here. But this is the this is water spilling around the obstruction after taking the time to gather strength. And not through any, you know, it doesn't force its way over the obstacle. It doesn't barge through it. It takes the time to, you know, gather resources, to gather strength, to gather support. You know, this is the, in this, in some of the hexagram interpretations, they talk about falling back on friendships this in the southwest instead of striking out completely into the unknown right away we need to fall back on some of the familiar relationships so it talks about stepping away from struggle and connecting with people more than ideals this is really important because jupiter is really thinking in that very detached saturnian idealistic form type of way and to to really you know move forward and begin to create with like a demiurge wants to, we have to have relationships with one another. We can't just create from this very detached, like idealistic place where we're not actually interacting with one another. Um, we're just a community of, of people trying to create and draw these ideas down from the heavens and manifest them into form. And that takes cooperation. So enlist help. Instead of toiling away in an unproductive direction, this is going to be a team effort, a communal effort, all right? There's going to be flowing water meeting that large rock, pausing to gather strength and spill around the obstruction, building your strength up. Um, on that note, I wanted to go back and just show you one other little note that I had that I neglected to mention. On the 30th of April, no, sorry, March, Let's go back in time for just a second here. Sorry, Mer Mercury got me with its nonlinear thing. <laughs> we we're almost to the end. And it was like, no, circle back. This is cool. Yeah, because I really uh, was thinking about um, the collective and joining together with people. And there's some something really interesting that's happening on the 30th, around the 30th of March. Around the 30th of March, we have a fixed star that Jupiter will be conjoining by projected ecliptical degree called uh, Sa del Sud. Uh, and also one that it will be, there's kind of a team with that one, it, it Deneb El-Gedi. Deneb El-Gedi was the ancient lawmaker in the tale of Capricorn. So these kind of these large scale um, organization of society kind of comes up with this fixed star. Sal del Sud was called the luckiest of the lucky. It was one of the stars in the shoulders of Aquarius, cleansing the past and bringing us something new and interesting. And I went back and looked at the last time Jupiter was conjoining that fixed star at 23 degrees of Aquarius. And interestingly enough, in 2009, roughly 12 years ago, Jupiter has a 12-year cycle, between December 7th and, and December 18th uh, of 2009, the United Nations were having their climate change conference in Denmark. It was a, a, a huge international climate change conference where there needed to be cooperation 
from many different nations to come together to figure out what to do to cleanse away the corruption of the past and build a new future together. And I would not be surprised if there was something of that nature that would circle back around at the end of March, where we are trying to work together as a collective to bring something, some kind of new order and rebalancing back to our society and back to our environment and, and things that we share. And it's going to take a shared effort, right? It's going to take a shared effort to create a new, um, more just and equitable society, both for the earth, for the, you know, animals and the, the, the community of animals that we share this earth with, the organism of the earth itself, and just with each other. It takes a team effort. All right. So I think that's what I've got for you today. Be like water, as Bruce Lee would say. Uh, gather your strength so that you could spill around the obstacles and, uh, you know, move forward with flow. I think that flow is going to be Jupiter when it finally moves into Pisces and is direct in motion. You know, we, we may be able to see what we're going to create, but we're going to have to, you know, be patient over the summer while Jupiter moves retrograde. And then, you know, when Jupiter moves back into Pisces at the end of December, okay, I think it's going to be all systems go. 2022 is going to be a really, a really fascinating year to examine. Really fascinating year. I think there's going to be some, some really, some flow. We're going to really be feeling in that flow state in the early stages of 2022. So what I will say is hang in there. Uh, recognize what your guiding principles are. Explore different idealistic forms and fall back on the relationships in your life. Cultivate relationships so that we can move forward as a group and a collective together. All right, everyone. That's what I've got for you today. If you're enjoying these videos, I'll make sure you subscribe to the channel. You can do me a huge favor by hitting that like button, leaving me a comment in the comment section. Uh, if you have questions, I'm happy to answer those. If you'd like to support the work that I do, you can buy me a coffee or a tea. I've had plenty of Arab mate to get through this video, so you are helping me out. Thank you so much for those of you who have uh, bought me a tea and a coffee on buymeacoffee.com. There's a link to that in the video section. You are helping me with giving me the gift of oracular space so that I can be an intermediary between the symbolic language and to you. So thank you. Uh, be kind to yourself and be kind to one another. And I will see you the next time. Take care, everyone. Peace.